This is Femi from Active Hangout with Femi Max Podcast, and you are listening to Tipping the Tour. Easy World is your man and Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And it's another episode of Keeping the Towel. It's a new second. It's a new minute. It's a new hour. It's a new day. It's a new month. That means we are getting a new opportunity to be in this fight called life. And I want to make sure you are still in it with me. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for vibing, rocking, and moving with me as always. And, y'all, we are not in the ring just only, but we in the sparring gym. And, yeah, I need to make sure you are still in it with me. So, ladies and gentlemen, your man got another sparring partner to join me in the ring. And this time, all the way from Nigeria, this brother hopped on the plane, came to the gym, and wanted to hang out with me. And, yo... You gotta, you gotta hear his story. You're gonna hear what he's, do, what he's been going through, what he's even dealing with now, and why he is still here keeping his towel. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, all the way from Nigeria, my man, Mr. Israel Alua Femi Makaandula. Are you there, Femi? Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very well, sir. very well, very well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. But you really need to come to Nigeria to learn how to speak a, a dialect and pronounce our names, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, I'm going to just put it to you like this. We're just going to call him Femi Max as of now until I yes, go ahead sir. and I get all the Yoruba and Igbo language so yes, I, can, I can speak it correctly and he don't laugh at me like he doing right it. now. You also tried the little kisses too, bro. Uh, <laughs> Alright, man. So, y'all already know how this game goes. Here's how it's gonna go, Femi. What you're gonna do, you're gonna make sure you got on your gloves. Get in your mouthpiece. Come out your locker room. Come to the ring. And what you're gonna do is get yes, in sir. your last set of instructions. And I need you and I to come to the center of the ring. It is Femi Max and Aunt Boogie. And we are going to touch gloves. And it is official that the round has started. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. So, Femi, put people on to where it all started for you. I will start from where I lost my mom. You know, I grew up actually without even getting to know who my mom is. Just It was just me and my elder sister, you know. Struggling, struggling, you know, from one place to the other, you know, trying to trying to make ends meet. Um, fast forward to now that we're growing up, or now that we've grown up, actually, because I'm just 25, but um, my sister's around 28. We had our ups and downs, you know, life wasn't that favorable for us. But, you know, we kept on believing, we kept on, you know, grinding. Before I got admission into school, man, it was hectic for me. Growing up in Nigeria, especially, and Africa as a whole, the educational system isn't top-notch as um, most of the rest of the world. Before I got admission into school, man, it wasn't easy. For three years, man, I was struggling, writing exams. I'll pass the exams and still no admission. I'll, I'll pass the exams and still no admission. Man, it got to a point that I got really, really extremely frustrated because all my mates were already in school. I was still back at home. It looked as if my dreams were not going to, you know, come into fulfillment. I got so depressed, so that I had to like look for a substitute for my depression. I know what it is, bro. 
I got influenced by some kind of people, you know, and started taking drugs. Fast forward to after three years, my last exams, I got um, my admission into the university. You know, I got to meet a couple of people, Christian guys that kind of led me to the right path in depression. And I began to, you know, see a better side of me. And my situation is not even the worst of all, but at least I should do better. You know, I have people looking up to me. I have people, you know, as, as the first son and son in the family, you know, a lot of responsibilities on my shoulder. And the light in the word of God helped me, you know, to find my way out. From white school, when I got admission into um, Kogi State University in Nigeria to study mass communication, that was in 2019. You know, it wasn't easy. My dad retired from um, active service. That was in 2019 as I got admission to school. Finances were, um, was not coming again like it used to because, you know, once you are retired here, you don't get paid the way you used to be paid. So um, it wasn't easy at all. You know, I had to feed literally from hand to mouth. It's I had to sleep in school without food. There are things that I had to do just to, you know, get money to feed. It really wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy. Going to school, transportation to and fro. When my dad retired, you know, actually, um, he, there are lots of business he engaged in that he didn't get his profit from. And once you retire in active service, you know, the pay don't come at as it used to. Your pension has to be in bit, bit by bit. Actually, the money couldn't do anything for, for like for the whole family because my dad had to remarry and stuff like that. He has two children from from my stepmom, and you know there are mouths to feed. And being the first son in the university, my sis was also in school. You know the, the burden on my dad was too much. You know, but I was still in school trying to find my way, trying to become something in life and you know I, I, I don't know I, I, there were times that I, I was like I would sit in the room and be like God what, what is going on like I just I, I just needed a miracle or something because at the point I was so broke I literally had nothing to eat for there are days I would stay in my room for a whole day with nothing to eat but I, I couldn't call anyone I couldn't call friends or ask for anything because I, I was ashamed and I felt like man I, I should be the one giving. I shouldn't like. I just felt like, man, I, I can't go out to beg for food. You know, understand that kind of stuff. So, bro, um, how yes, many? Sir. How many of you were in the house? How many mouths? Bro, bro, we were, we were like up to five kids, five children. Two, um, two of us from my my mom, then about three from my stepmom. Uh, so now we're looking so, at seven people all together in the house. Yes, in the house. Yeah. Wow. Um, the house rent is there because this isn't our, you know, personal apartment. This is a rented apartment. Cost about three hundred something thousand naira, and the rent gets increased on a yearly basis. So, the the burden on my dad was too much. We had to, he had to like find other means, you know, to meet up the family needs and. It still wasn't coming through. So, bro, it got to a point that I was in school. No money. I'm thinking of the issues in my family. And I just wanted to provide and stuff like that. Bro, it got to a point I was contemplating so many things. So, so many things. There were times I would sit and be like, God, I just wanted my life to end right now. Because mm. I can't just go on living like this. I can't go on living like this. So, um, I met a couple of friends in school. I, because they were at that point in time, they were the happening guys. 
They had the latest iPhones. They had the latest shoes, I am Air Max and Jordans or whatever you call them. They had the best clothes, everything. They had it all. The best girls in school, they had them all. They were living that good life. And they didn't even need their parents, um, their parents to help them in any way, you understand? So I was like, guys, how would how they make this money? You know, how we speak, literally, we speak in pidgin English. That's what we call it. So um, I, met, I, went, I went to one of these guys and I was like, how are you able to cope in school? What do you do actually? Just anyway, just help me through. Because I can't continue like this. I really need help. Since I couldn't beg for food, at least I could show me how to fish, not give me fish. I went to meet the guy. So he showed me how to fish. Then he told me um, they were into what he called Yahoo Yahoo. called it cybercrime. Cybercrime is called Yahoo Yahoo? Yes, 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 uh, yes. Yahoo, you know, you heard of Yahoo Mail. Yahoo Mail. Gotcha. Have you heard of Yahoo Mail? Like, yeah, it's derived. The Yahoo is derived from that Yahoo Mail. So it's like Yahoo Yahoo. That's what they call it. And that's where they would go ahead Cyber and do like scamming for money and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, bro. Um, they, what they do, they use um, fake profiles. I mean, fake images open fake profiles on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, you know, and um, deceive people, like impersonate people, you know, some use um, images of porn stars and all, trying to be who they are not and start, you know, exporting money from unsuspecting victims who almost and every time fall, you know, fall victim to these things. And something you should also know is that most of these fraudulent guys don't do this just like that. Most of them use things like they, they rob themselves in voodoo. They go as far as doing rituals, you know, as in doing things that you can't even imagine, bro. If I start to tell you now the things some guys here in Nigeria to scam, for scam, to just, you know, export people growing. People undergo rituals, people sleep in graveyards, people do things, unimaginable things what? to get this money. I'm telling you, bro. Wow. Wait, 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 bat boy, wait, wait, fam, hold up, man. They went into the <laughs> graveyards and like robbed the gra- like robbed the graves. Things like they do serious, severe things here just to get this money, bro. You know, they they they, they, they go meet they go meet the habali to give them instructions. They call um the habali. You can call him a, a voodoo priest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they give them the instructions. They give them the instructions. They go to. Graveyard, um, the graveyard. They could sleep there for days. They, they, they have instructions that they are given to come out successful. And once they once they finish um, this ritual process, whatever they they ask for, whatever um, is their heart desire, you know, it comes to pass. But you know the funniest thing: there's always a very heavy repercussion for it. You know, sometimes after this ritual, most of these guys just run mad on the street. Some guys run mad. I've seen guys lose their their loved ones for ritual. What you see happening in Nigeria will shock you, bro. But I, I don't know if, if we have to blame the government, you always have to blame their parents, blame the society, or blame the individuals themselves who are willing extra length to just get money, you know. Money that they will die and still live. Bro, after I, I saw what these guys do for the money, my background, you know, restricted me because I was raised in a Christian family. My dad brought me up in the fear of God. So that, that fear for God and of God didn't allow me to do this thing. 
until now, you know, things are not good for me, not very good for me, but I still thank God for my life because I have peace of mind. I'm not the one that, w- that have to wake up in the night and do some incantations and blah, 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 mm-hmm. go to graveyards and see some disgusting and scary things and stuff like that. And my soul, I still have control over my soul, over my life, over every decision I choose to make. So although I'm not yet at the peak, I don't have that much money as they do. I don't have the latest iPhones or the latest shoes, but bro, I have my peace of mind and I have God by my side. So I believe my future will be better. So I, I refuse to engage myself in, I, I refuse to engage myself in, I mean myself in. Before I, I graduated, I graduated, and I, I got my BSc just um, two months ago. Yes, congratulations, um, bro. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it, bro. I, I, before I graduated, I saw most of my my classmates, most of these guys who were into fraud, I, I, I actually saw one, the case of one who, you know, literally landmarked in school. I don't know, they said the voodoo priest asked him to, you know, do something and he thinks he, he didn't go according to the plan and something bad really happened to him. He ran mad in school and stuff like that, bro. Even on the internet, every day you come on the internet, you see the very horrific, you know, news of young boys who, who go as far as using the, the, their, their loved ones, their mom, their dad, their sisters, their girlfriends for, for ritual, for Yahoo, Yahoo, that is what it's called. You could browse it, you could go on Google and browse it, you see horrific stories about this book. So they will so, actually um, have to like I, sacrifice their own family members and friends, like kill them or something like that. Yeah, yes, bro, yes, bro, Whoa. yes, bro. You know that's what the devil does. Actually, you don't. Nothing is for free. You know, you have to give something. Ooh, that's that's a line right there. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's what it is, bro. So, um, while still in school, you know, the, the pressure was hard on me to, you know, go into this stuff, bro. Especially when my dad was, when was sick. You know, he, madam, my third year, the 300 level, you know, my dad uh, was down with stroke, partial stroke is what you call it. And um, we had nobody to help. Family members who were not just too well to do, you know, they didn't have that much money to support. But, bro, at that point in time, I was so devastated. Like, I was worried because my dad needed the best health care, but there was no money to bring this to come to pass. So, um, what happened then was like, man, if it, if it, was no, if it wasn't for God, bro, I don't know what it could have been. Because I still can't explain how money came through for us to take my dad to and all that for him to get his treatment. Up till now, you know, he's still recovering from stroke. I'm still with him in the house. Although I'm supposed to be working, I call I just graduated, but I still have to be with him at home till he's finally okay. But and you know, with partial stroke, the healing process, you know, kind of takes time. So till today, I still don't know. I still don't know. But bro, it's, it's been God all the way because I'm I'm a kind of religious person. No, 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 it's religious. But I just believe in God. So many things have happened in my life that I don't know where I would have been if there wasn't something or someone up there anywhere helping me. Because I don't believe things happen by chance. You know, mm. when my dad was ill, we literally had no money to take him to hospital. Do anything. When I came back home and I saw my dad, I was confused because I didn't know where to start from. I had no dime with me. Well, we had to reach out to, um, on his WhatsApp, we, re- we reached out to his school group that went his um, university WhatsApp group and, you know, people started rallying together and tried to assist us until today we just get me to assist 
um, assisting from his friends and loved ones and all that. Let's go back a little, my man. Just with your pops, yes, sir. the day when it was discovered that he had partial stroke. Go back to that day. Um, it was in June. I was in school on a free evening, you know, and every day I call my dad. I guess that was June 15th. So um, I was just seated outside my um, apartment. He actually picked the call, but his voice, his words were not audible. You know, he was altering words that I couldn't comprehend at the moment. And I was like, what what was going on? You know, I, I, I called him up to like 21 times. He, he will pick and he won't utter a word. I was so worried. Then it was up to the 22nd time that I called. I had someone um, pick up the phone. I was like, um, who is this? I said, um, this is Israel um, Akin. So my dad's name is Akin. So I was like, he was like, the person on the phone was like, wherever you are, just start coming home right now. I was in school. My school is miles away from home. I had to immediately, okay, I called my sister and she was like, okay, I should get home and should be you know, around the next day, I immediately had to pack my stuff. I was disoriented. I was disoriented. I was confused. I picked up my stuff and just um, made my way straight down to Abuja because I school in Kogi State. I got to Abuja around 9 p.m. to be exact. Before then, the person I spoke to on the phone found a way to just take my dad to a nearby clinic where they were giving my dad no um, just They just placed him on the bed for him to just be like that. And at that moment, he needed his serious medical attention because a part of his body was getting paralyzed already, like because it's partial stroke. So a part of his body is functional and the the, um, the, the other side is in function and that is the right side. I was confused because I didn't even know what this sickness was. So I, when I got to the hospital, I went straight to the nurse, the people who are in charge, I was like, please, what is going on? They were like, oh, I shouldn't worry. Everything is okay. I want to know what is going on. At least I'm a son. I, I should know what is going on. My dad is saying, okay, he can't speak to me properly. What is going on? The nurses were like, I shouldn't worry. I should wait that the doctor is on his way. I had to wait for close to one, two, two hours precisely, two hours, 30 minutes before the doctor came and he told what? me my dad had special stroke. Yeah, so that's how poor the, the medical system is in Nigeria. So um, wait, 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 brother, had... brother, you had you and your family had to yes. wait two hours before your daddy got looked at by a doctor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. <laughs> so there you go, folks. You just heard so, that. So a lot of y'all in America complain about sitting in a in a waiting room for thirty to forty five minutes. This brother had to wait <laughs> two hours with his dad who had a partial stroke. Two hours. All right. All right. Know the difference. Know the difference yes, here. Sir. Yes, sir. So I had to wait two hours, 13 minutes to be precise, before the doctor came. And they had given my father some drip and that um, he would be fine. I, so I, I told the doctor, yeah, he would be fine. What drip have you given him? What is wrong with my dad? He told me my dad had partial stroke and that was all he left because he had other patients to attend to um i took up my phone and i was i tried to google what partial stroke was all about because i had no idea what partial stroke was 
after I googled up some stuff, I began to see the, how how severe this sickness is, you know, and what um, should be done and how the sick, I mean, how the, the symptoms, you know, occur. My dad was just sitting right there confused because he didn't even know what was going on. He was trying to lift up the right part of his hand, uh, of his body, that is his hand, his right hand or his right leg and still the one, there was no response. I was there so confused, you know. I went back to meet this doctor. I was like, see, my dad can't even raise up his right hand or his right leg anymore. They, I'm, I thought the drugs you are giving him, the drip is supposed to take effect and, you know, prevent this kind of thing. Because my dad got the earlier. The doctor said I should just calm down and let the sickness just take its course because there was nothing that could be done. There was no family member. My stepmom had left my dad um, a um, few months before then. So my dad was kind of, you know, in a very, when I say he was in a deep end because he was alone at home. I was in school. My sister was in school. My stepmom had left with her two children, three children actually. And it was just my dad at home. So he, he was getting depressed. He was going through issues that only him knew. And he couldn't even tell his children because he didn't want us to be bothered, you understand? We bore so much in him that partial stroke is actually caused by too much thinking and high blood pressure. It gets to a point where this is just a vein. Based on what I saw on, on Google, on Google, I mean, on Google, what I saw on Google, um, they said um, stroke could be caused by, um, you know, with hypertension, like when all these things are caused by thinking too much, you understand? And, uh, you know, not checking your blood pressure often, you know, when it gets high and not taking appropriate drugs that to bring down the blood pressure and stuff like that. My dad was just here, you know, no no funds, no nothing. He was just home, just like that. And, you know, all this kind of takes a man, you know, you know, he didn't tell anybody. Else. I then called my sister. I told her, see what's going on. I'm confused. That dad has special stroke and we need to get him out of here ASAP, like immediately. So she was like, she's on her way, she's coming and stuff like that. When she arrived, we she had just, not even less than about, maybe say 20,000 in her account. Yeah, 20,000 era in her account. That was not even enough for transport. We, we made some calls, members of his church, his, um, his church people, the neighbors around, the, the rally around the, the family, I mean, the, um, the hospital then, you know, and with their help, we were able to get my dad, um, get, get some funds and get my dad out of that place. And we took him to a better hospital where he began undergoing treatment and all that. Before we could reach out to his school, his friends on WhatsApp and everywhere, so they could contribute, you know, and help us out. So um, while in the hospital with my dad, you know, the first day that we got to the emergency ward, the, the, the effect of the sickness had already started um, kicking in. My dad, you know, you know, at that stage he was confused because there were things he could do before that he couldn't do. I, I, I could literally see the effect. It's just, it's just like how venom spreads through the body, you know. Like you watch all those vampire, you watch all those vampire movies where um, when someone gets beaten by the vampire, they, they start changing you know, um, gradually to vampires and stuff like that. Um, I, I could watch him literally losing everything right in front of me because he began aggressive, you know. He was trying to stand up, get up, but, you know, the part of his body wasn't responding and he, he wasn't aware at that moment that 
this is what was going wrong with him. Because even even speaking to him, well, because he couldn't understand. Man, it wasn't funny. Bro. I, I I I I stood right in the hospital and tears just started dripping down my face. You know, people were like, I should stop crying because I'm a man, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't stop it. Tears, tears were just dripping down my face because my dad had been the only one I knew right from childhood. I told you I lost my mom, so he had been the one taking care of me and my sister. He had been everything to me. Right. My dad, who I loved so much, yeah, I, I was right in front of him watching everything happening. They had to give him drugs to like, to make him sleep, actually, to make him calm down, you know, to just put him to sleep because he was getting too aggressive at the point in time. You said that you went into the hallway and tears go down your face and you're thinking like, yo, this is my dad. Femi, put us in your mindset. At that moment, you're in the hallway. Your dad has partial stroke and he does not have any, he doesn't have any feeling in his right side. What's going through Femi Mac's head? Um, At that moment, bro, I was, I was confused. I was scared. See, words, words couldn't come out of my mouth. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to say. I was just like, God, you know, that was the only thing I was saying, God, and tears were just dripping down my face. My eyes, tears were just coming down. You know, people were around me were like, you're a man, you're a man, you don't cry, you don't have to, you don't need to cry. Men don't cry. But, and I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it, bro, because I, I was, I was so, I was so broken, you know, watching my dad, who I know to be a strong person, a God-fearing man. I was like, where, where, where was God? Like, is God, God, is, am I even sure that God is, is who he is? Like, is God alive to be, I, I don't know, man, I was like, I was so confused, bro, as in words couldn't come out of my mouth. I was like, if God is alive, this shouldn't happen, you know, if God is there, this shouldn't happen because all my life, all my life, I've known my dad to be one who, you know, who fears God, who puts God first and, you know, the Bible said, um, you know, God will never forsake his own and all those kind of stuff. I was, at that moment, I was shaking, bro, to be honest with you. I was, I was confused. I don't know how to even express how I felt at that moment because I don't feel like words can, you know, grab how I felt at that moment. That came to me. She was, she, she wasn't crying actually. She was trying to console me because she she felt like at that moment she she shouldn't be the one you know crying to me she should be the one you know giving me support and all that this is your sister yes my sister my elder sister yes my sister so she i mean big big shout out to my sister bro like she she stood in the gap she was she was everything she she, she was the one hustling for the money trying to trying to find a way out of predicament we were in and she was a strong pillar bro to be honest she came to me she held me she told me I shouldn't worry that everything was gonna be okay that my dad was gonna come out fine I was like no 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 you can't tell me my dad is gonna come out fine this is partial stroke like I felt like partial stroke was a death sentence you know like this is the end like I can see see how my dad is acting up he can't even raise one part of his hand I mean the right side of his body he can't raise his right hand, he can't raise his right leg. What is going on? What is this? Like, I was so, so confused, bro. Bro. <sighs> so, um, she came to me, we spoke, and after speaking, I just had to leave the place where my dad was for a while because, you know, 
they were trying to like you know give him so many drugs and things to stabilize him at the moment and throughout that night bro nobody slept throughout that night it was it was hectic it was hectic i saw i, I saw other people in the hospital that was my first time in the emergency unit you know i i, I saw people around me with even more severe cases i saw them taking out bodies dead bodies like you know something i'd never seen before mm. bro i was i was i don't know the words used to describe it bro i was I was confused and and you know you know shocked at the same time because you know seeing all those kind of things in the emergency world also you know kind of changed my perspective about life you know I, right there right there they brought a little baby little baby I don't know what happened to the girl very beautiful child um I guess I don't know maybe they say she was sick or something crying about running temperature and stuff like that cute fair baby Immediately, they brought her to the hospital. The doctors uh, at the emergency unit. They just um, went, did whatever the, the medical stuff that they do, and in less than two minutes, they just came out and told the parents that, "Oh, we are sorry for your baby. Your baby just you just lost your baby. You know, mm. you know at the emergency unit, you could, you could see different, different different kind of things happening. People coming, people going out, people dying." And you know, my dad was just there. I was scared. Like, would this be the same fate my dad would go through? Will I lose my dad? And all those fears, things were just coming through my mind, bro. Mm-hmm. But um, at that moment, at that moment, I, I just, I just sat down, tried to reflect and think of how God has been good and how far He has brought us to this point. And I was like, God, if You are there, if You are up there. Please just do something about my dad. I can't lose my father at this point because I, I I was still in school then. I just I just needed to graduate because it was just few months to my graduation. You know, I was like, God, please just keep my dad. Let me just finish school and get something worthwhile so that at least could be of assistance to him. You know, he should eat the fruit of his labor and all that kind of stuff. So, bro, I was praying the kind of prayer I've never prayed in my life. I had to go down my knees and pray sincerely, sincerely from my heart with tears dropping down my eyes. Bro, immediately I finished praying, I went back to check up on him and he was still in that, you know, palatable state, you know. So he looked helpless, he looked weak, he looked confused. I, I almost lost my faith, bro, to be sincere with you. Mm-hmm. Listening to you, brother, it seemed like yes. you were on the brink sure. of losing your faith. What made you restore? Yes, what made you restore your faith, brother? Okay, bro. Um, what, what restored my faith was just one word. One word that somebody said to me. My my dad was right there in front of me. Then when you know at the at the, at the moment where they had given him so much um, um drugs to neutralize him, it was aggressive and stuff like that. He, he he looked at me. He smiled. My dad smiled at me. He told me he loved me. And he told me, be strong. Mm. But that wasn't the, the word that... He said that word, you know, you know, unconsciously though. But that, 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 that word was just one thing that was going on through... I mean, you couldn't utter specific words. You couldn't utter comprehensible words. But at a point in time, there were certain words that he could utter 
that you know just few, few just few words that he could say at a point in time but at the way he said them if you are, if you don't pay um, close attention you might not pick up the words so when I heard my dad um, utter those words I was direct I was standing right in front of him I could hear him say those words then do all, all the process during all the process of aggression and stuff like that when he tries to stand up he was just uttering one word he was just saying God 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 help me God help me I was like my dad is almost dying here what, why is he still calling on this God to what is this God now like is he not up there is there, is there no God somewhere that will just rescue him from this thing is the God that he has been serving all his life I grew I grew up knowing my dad to be a very a very God fearing person you know he was so devoted to God, and now and we are, in, we are in the midst of all this problem. Why is he calling on this God? Then um, my my mind just flashed back when you know my mind flashed back to a story in the Bible um, about Job, you know, who was going through severe problems in his life. This guy lost everything, you know. He had seven children, seven children, and he lost all of them at once in a day. That wasn't enough. All his businesses, because in the Bible, they said Job was one of the richest at that time. You know, imagine someone just came to you and said all your investments just burned totally to the ground. One bad news after the other, one bad news after the other. And in a day, in a single day, Job lost everything. But he still didn't lose his faith, you know. His wife came to meet him and she told him, Job, why don't you curse this God and die? Job said, um, even if he will kill me, even this, even though this God is going to kill me, I will still follow him. So at that moment, seeing my dad still calling on this God in the midst of his problems, in the midst of his challenge, in the midst of him losing his mind and losing um, um, the ability to you know, use a part of his body and his faith was still in this God, bro, I, I was like, damn, there's something about this God that, that I, I just can't I just can't comprehend at this moment. And he's the only one I just have to go back to. Because first of all, we had literally no funds, no money to help my dad transport to the hospital, pay for the hospital bills because they can never start um, a treatment on any patient if you don't have money. You, you, you should make a deposit, even if you don't make the complete deposit, but at least you have to deposit a certain amount of money before treatment can commence on any patient. So we literally had no money before we got to the hospital, but in the space of like, let me say, three, four, five hours, money just started coming in for the treatment of my dad. And that that is still a testimony on its own, you know. I, I believe that that was God ordained. You know, it didn't yeah. happen like that because yeah. So um that that instance too, you know, you know, rejuvenated my faith and you know, brought something alive, it brought something alive in me, you know. And at that point I, I, I realized that meant because I, I am not I'm not the kind of person that believes things happen like that, you know. And in Africa we are quite very religious people, you know. So um I just had to like someone feed from the story of Job, you know, and I just started praying for my dad. I started praying because that was the only thing I could do at that moment. Wow. Yes, bro. Ah oh, man, Femi. I'm <laughs> Yo, brother, listening to you right now, I'm trying to not drop any tears, man, because this is this is a story of you just of a of a true testament 
of why you did yes, not sir. do that. So let me let me just get an understand. So you're so you're the oldest boy, but is your sister older than you? Yeah. Okay. Older than me. She's older than me. So Femi, what kept you away from what kept yes, you away sir. from doing all these from going down these different paths? I went through, you know, stories of some great people, you know, stories of people like Martin Luther, stories of um yeah, Martin Luther, stories of you know, some, some great people like um, E.A. Adeboye and some great men, actually. Um, this doctor, um, he did the first, you know, surgery on two um, oh, twins um, that were conjoined. Dr. Ben, ben Carson. Yes, Ben Carson. Yes, 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 yes. I went through most of these books and especially the story of Ben Carson, you know, who started, you know, like in his class, actually, he was one of the dullest at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. And most of these great people, I noticed they all had, they all had one thing in common. They had really rough beginnings, really difficult beginnings where you feel like they never had made it out, you understand. Um, the fact that I was going through that, you know, all these challenges at that moment was, not because I, I I was a fool or not. It wasn't because I was a weakling or it wasn't because I I, 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 I I didn't know how to navigate my way through life. It was because I was in the making process, you know. Everything I'm going through, everything I went through, I believe personally that it is a making process. I'm just being made. You know, you know there's something they said, uh, there's something I read, they say gold has to go through fire, you know, before it comes out all shiny and like that so I just believe this is where I'm the gold and I had to go through fire and I'm going through fire right now and when I come out of this fire you know yeah, everybody is going to be marveled at the kind of person coming out yes yes in the refiner's fire that's what it is called the refiner's fire and brother yes sir even as you're in the midst of your fire I can tell you what I am hearing from you you are being shaped incredibly right now. You are being shaped so incredibly, and I cannot wait to see and hear the finished product of Femi. So, Femi, you will, sir. Here's my question to you. Yes, sir. Why do you keep your towel? That's a good question, bro. Um, I'll tell you a very short story before I answer this question. Um, there was this there was this man. He had a very large portion of land and. He had tried everything, everything he knew how to because he was a man who was into agriculture, you know. He, he invested so much potential, so much money, so much, you know, facilities in this land, but he still wasn't yielding fruit, you know. And he tried everything he humanly and possibly could think of and still this land wasn't producing. It wasn't as fertile as he wanted it to be. So um, he decided to sell the land for a very cheap amount of money. And after he sold the land, the person who got this land from him, you please note that the man had already thrown into towel, you know, he had given up already because the land wasn't productive. And he sold this land for a very cheap rate to this new buyer. And this new buyer who got the land, first of all, before he could um, do anything on the land, he decided to, you know, dig off everything that the past owner had done on the land. And after a while, you know, they got to discover that in that land was a large, a vast portion of oil in the land. That was why the man who was planting before the previous owner couldn't, you know, 
um, you know, rip anything from the land because he had so much amount of oil underneath it that he couldn't see. He had to throw into the way. He had to give up, give up. And a new person came on, on board. You know, that person became a multimillionaire. You know, you know, oil, you know, is, you know, a very, a very lucrative venture, you know. Throwing into Tower means giving up totally on everything. And, you know, I wasn't raised that way. I don't believe giving up is, you know, the, the, the motto or the watchword for someone who wants to achieve anything. Giving up is the sign of defeat. So I believe holding on, you know, fighting for what you believe in. It might not be better now, but there's something ahead of you. Because in football, it is only the person who has the ball that gets when the ball is with Ronaldo and you know he's going towards the net you see every defender coming towards Ronaldo because he's the one who has the ball at that moment you understand it is because he has the potential of scoring that goal that's why the defenders and everybody you know try to obstruct him from scoring that goal I believe that I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm the player the one with the ball huh? and everything that is coming at me at me this time is just, are just challenges things that are trying to obstruct me from scoring that goal from achieving my, my purpose, you know. And I've refused to throw in the towel because I believe that I am destined for something. And what I'm destined for is greatness. There's no other thing that, that can bring me down, that can shake my conviction. And I've refused, I've refused to give up, you know, or throw in the towel because I believe, I believe and I know that I'm getting somewhere. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, yo, folks, so there you have it. You got a chance to hear this brother's story and what he's going through right now, and as he called it, going through the refiner's fire. And he's still in the middle of this fight, still holding his towel and decided not to throw it in yet because, as he said, you got to fight for what you believe in and for where he's going to be going, he's willing to go ahead and fight and not throw it in yet. Yo, Femi. Before we get out of here, my man, if there's any last words of encouragement or anything you want to say, my good man, the floor is yours. I came on this platform to just, you know, inspire anyone, somebody who might be going through even worse situations than me. Someone who might be at that point where you feel like the whole world is against you. And, you know, recently I just I just even came across one news on social media. There was this um, movie we watched back then, um, Power Rangers. Dino Thunder or whatever. Yeah. There was an actor, a main actor, the Green yeah. Ranger. Yeah, yeah. The he Green and White Ranger. Suicide. Yes, yes, sir. He, he committed suicide just yes, just yesterday. You know, he was age forty nine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are going through stuff. Bro. But, and I think my own my own case is, is worse. But there's someone who is even going through more, you know, more severe case than mine. You know. I don't know whoever the person is, wherever they are, man. I don't know. Maybe my story can be an inspiration to anybody. I've never gotten to the peak. I'm still struggling. I'm just a graduate. But I believe that there's something great ahead of me, you know. That's why I wake up every day and I, I just get on my grind. Anyhow, anything I can do, you know, just to, I'm trying to work on my craft right now, my creative abilities. Because I believe it will be enough for me, like to, to pave the way for me. You know, I've seen people who end with just being creative, just like what we are doing just right now. You know, this through this podcast, there are people who earn money and they don't need to scam anybody. You understand? So I believe I can make with my brain, with my intellect that God has given me, I can sit down and try to provide solutions to a problem that will make people 
look for me. You understand? I'm just going to say three words to whoever is going through, you know, their situations right now. You feel like throwing in it, you feel like throwing into tower, you feel like giving like it is over. You feel like this is the end for you. You're contemplating giving up at this moment. Three words, do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. No matter what you're going through, no matter the challenge you're no matter how difficult life gets at times, because life is not a comfort zone. Enjoy the whole process. You know, you have to, you know, fight for what you believe in. You have to fight to get what you deserve. Life is a war zone, you know, from your the moment of inception, from your birth to the day you die, you are fighting a war for your life. And no matter the challenge you are going through, bro, you are in your war zone there. Don't give up. Don't quit. You cannot quit. After the rain, the sun is still going to shine. Thank you, bro. No, thank you. Thank you. So, Femi, if you have anything such as any information that you want to share with the listeners, my man. Femi Max is what they call me. I run a little podcast called Artist Hangout with Femi Max, which is basically about projecting talented upcoming artists who don't get commonly played on mainstream media. You know, the mainstream always projects superstars, the likes of Drake, Thames, Wizkid, DeVito, and the um, future Lewen, ETC. The main media really focuses on these upcoming artists unless, you know, they do something extraordinary in the music industry. And when they get to the peak, you know, they, they, they are, their background, their story, you know, all just comes on only when they become superstars. But Femi Max focuses on projecting these artists even right from, you know, their foundational um, stage to when they become superstars, at least so they have something to look back to, a story, you know, a history to look back to, even when they become superstars. Listen, man, I'm going to tell y'all straight up, y'all got to check out the podcast. I got a chance to listen to a few of them. Pretty nice, pretty dope. And hearing some people that were literally on the uprise and every artist that we have heard, every artist that we know out here today who's on the mainstream, they all were not known before they were known. Get it? So <laughs> they had to take yes, somebody sir, to yes, know them. So, Femi, congratulations, yes, my man. You have officially survived Boogie's Gym, and you have made it. But, man, thank brother, you. thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to put yes, all of Femi's information there so you'll be able to go ahead and check him out and see what he's about. I promise you, you want to listen to him. You hear why he is able to keep his towel, and we need you to do the same. And despite what he's going through at this moment, keep this brother and his family in your prayers so that we will be able to see some good miracles and also we're gonna i'm gonna hopefully i can give you some updates of what's going on with him in the future because i know i'm gonna build with this brother a little few years from now and and hopefully i could come out to nigeria and hang out with you and everything yes, so sir. i don't butcher your name and, 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 and i don't need your pe- i don't need i don't need the village laughing at me man i want to make sure i get the day right <laughs> My bro, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so course, much for man. this opportunity, bro. You're, you're really doing a great job. So, like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. I will check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. I am out of here. Peace. Hey, everyone. This is Scott from the No New Friends podcast, the podcast for adults who like to laugh at adulting. We are streaming on all major podcast platforms and some of the minor ones, too. You can check out our website, nonewfriendspodcast.com to check out all of our links. Check out our sweet merchandise and join our Patreon and become a friend with benefits. That's the No New Friends podcast with new episodes every Sunday night.